Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Ryan Jr. Uh, we're going to talk with a number of people today, and we're also doing a tribute to the late Emmanuel Brisker Jr., also known as E.J. Brisker, who was a leader of SNCC and also one of the leaders in the University of Washington Black Student Union. And uh, members of the 1968 University of Washington Black Student Union, uh, they occupied the University of Washington, President Odegaard's office, and made five demands. Recruit more Black, Latino, and Indian students. Two, immediate establishment of a Black Studies program. Three, hiring more Black, Latino, and Native professors and counselors. Four, establish a learning resource center and tutorial program. And five, establish of an ethnic cultural center. And uh, we're going to start off with Larry Gossett and uh, have him set the stage for us. And then we'll hear from the, the other members who were involved and who have a legacy at the University of Washington. And it's unfortunate that you have more Black students in 1970 than you have in uh, 2023. More, I say more uh, African-Americans, uh, be very specific, because there are a lot of international students who are Black, but they're not African descent of the United States enslaved. So Larry Gossett, why don't you uh, go right ahead with it? Yeah. Uh, first of all, we want to thank you, Eddie Wright Jr., for uh, setting aside this precious amount of time for us to uh, talk to you about the organizing as part of the Black Power Movement of students at the University of uh, Washington. In 1968, actually specifically on January 6th, uh, we announced that we exist and we told the white students that we're not going downstairs and pick, fill out no paperwork. We're telling y'all the Black Student Union exists. We're not to fill out anything for you you all in order to exist. And um, when we uh, uh, chose our leadership soon after, uh, E.J. Brisker was elected as the uh, vice president of BSU, but the president wasn't able to serve more than about a month. So E.J. was our first uh, practical leader of the Black student uh, movement on the University of Washington campus in order to gain power for Black people on the campus. And he was a brilliant uh, leader um, because he had been a great student and an activist uh, in the civil rights movement. He worked in Mississippi and, and Arkansas between 1963 and 65 for the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And he was really well grounded in the movement when he moved to Seattle in 66 to live with his mother and then in 68 we organized the black student union and he led us uh to come up with those demands you've already mentioned but i just set the framework under ej's leadership which was brilliant and inspirational and motivational for all of us black youth um three or four of us are on the screen today uh to have the kind of experience uh, mature leader that we had in E.J. Brisker. And today, 50 years later, uh, we can say that through the programs at the Black Student Union, through the efforts of taking over the campus, taking over the president's office, going all over the campus, demanding that uh, institutionalized racism uh, be ended on this campus. If it wasn't, we would use any means necessary to change things we did get some changes. And uh, we have uh, about, I think this is important to know, 50, I mean, something like 
um, uh, 30,000 uh, Black, Latino, Asian uh, uh, students and other disadvantaged youth have graduated from the youth through the Office of Minority Affairs Educational Opportunity Program. Uh, so a couple hundred faculty were hired in the first 10 years. And you are very correct, Eddie, that in 1970, we had about 250 students on the campus. And then by 1975, we had 1,660 Black students. And that would not have happened if it wasn't for us demanding that this university become more accountable to its Black community. So I want to stop with that background. There's a picture uh, that I have you, EJ, and I put that up on Facebook next to your picture. But Carl Miller is uh, is in that picture and also the late Chester Northington. And the other thing about this whole group, including uh, Lethia and Kathy, uh, you, and you guys were all also in, involved with the Seattle Black Panther Party as well. And, and Jimmy Garrett was a founder of the San Francisco State Black Student Union, which I believe was the first major Black student union established on the West Coast of the area. And he was gracious enough to come and join us on May 20th, 1968 in our uh, sit-in. But he'd also worked earlier with EJ, so I'd like to give him a chance to talk now. I first met uh, uh, Emmanuel Brisker um, in 1964, that's three years before uh, a lot of his activity was going on, he was a, <clears throat> a volunteer for the Mississippi Summer Project. Um, uh, he was, uh, he himself had been a student in Morehouse, but he was one of the few Blacks who joined the many whites, nearly a thousand whites, to hook up, to engage in the the project of freedom schools, uh, voter education and registration, and direct action programs that went on during that summer. That's when I met him uh, in Ohio, Miami uh, University, Miami of Ohio University, uh, in 1964. Uh, EJ was then sent into. I went to. I, I actually ended up being a co-project director in Laurel, Mississippi. And EJ was sent to what we call the first district, which is where Swerner, Cheney, and Goodman, uh, three civil rights workers, had already been killed. But he, and so he spent his summer working in and around one of the most dangerous areas in in uh, Mississippi. Uh, after the summer project, if I recall correctly, EJ was. Uh, 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 detail to go to Arkansas, where he worked in the uh, uh, projects in Pine Bluff and Little Rock, Arkansas, for SNCC. He became a SNCC staff person for, I think, six or eight months. And his main work was to set up uh, within those projects. Each project was independent in SNCC. So each, his, his work was to set up the Freedom Schools in Little Rock, uh, participate and actually took the lead in setting up the freedom schools in Pine Bluff and Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, uh, after that, he went back, as I understand it, to, and well, let, let me just say this, that I saw him on several occasions. I remained on SNCC staff in Los Angeles, and we met together on the Atlanta 
uh, where the SNCC uh, national headquarters was located in Atlanta, Georgia, for uh, SNCC staff meetings. SNCC staff meetings, these are people who were in, uh, organizers in training, all the way up to people like Bob Moses and Jim Foreman, who were master organizers. We were in training. Uh, definitely EJ in that uh, year, year and a half that he was working in SNCC, that's intensive training. It's also, I mean, it was dangerous work. But the more important thing is that many of the skills that he later employed in his work at the in Seattle were uh, the grounding of those uh, came from his work with uh, uh, training and work with SNCC. And mainly, I think most of the best work he did was really uh, in Arkansas. The second thing that I'll say is that I then uh, went to San Francisco State where we established the Black Student Union during the spring of 1966. By the spring of 1967, uh, the way I really could re really reconnected with EJ, who by that time had gone to uh, Seattle, Washington, was through Stokely Carmichael, Kwame Ture. Kwame Ture was invited to speak at in and uh, uh, by the community or some sectors of the community in Seattle, he came back and told me that he had hooked up with E.J. Brisker, and he said that I should go up and work with E.J. on any project that E.J. was involved with, because he, uh, Stokely Carmichael stated that he trusted E.J. Brisker. That's when our second generation of activity uh, began. I'll stop with that because thank, that's- Thank you very much, because you know, that reminds me that uh, he was uh, with Julian Bond picketing uh, uh, Lester Maddox's restaurant in Atlanta, and he ducked and Julian Vaughn got hit also in Mississippi. Congressman Benny Thompson also oh, yeah, was no a SNCC guy. And, and Julian Vaughn just said he had the most dangerous job in SNCC because he had to register voters in, in the Mississippi Delta, and you don't know if the sheriff of the Klan or one and the same looking for him to kill him. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, Kathy, uh, Kathy Halley. Hi there. Um, hi there, Eddie. Good to see everyone. Um, well, I didn't have uh, that long history with EJ, but I met him, of course, uh, during the establishment of the Black Student Union at the UW. And, you know, EJ was just this brilliant, you know, person with deep organizing skills and a compassionate heart. Uh, he was really the heart and soul of the Black Student Union and also the intellect. I mean, he was brilliant. And uh, he lived a lot in his mind. Uh, he was always thinking and talking and organizing, but he also, he, he was intellectual. He read widely, he um, was with the people and would you know give his life for the people. I hadn't been in touch with Eli for, I mean, I'm sorry. I hadn't been in touch with EJ for a long time, but I saw him, I was very happy to see him um, Oh, about two or three years before the um, before COVID hit, and we had a nice conversation, of course, in the meeting place of black black folks there in Seattle, uh, across from the Apple grocery store and by the um, the um, Red Apple. Yeah. Yes, yes. But um, you know, he he was just this wonderful person. He he came up with the uh, demands. He was at all the meetings. He encouraged reading and study. And he was a lot of fun. He liked to laugh as well. 
Well, thank you very much, Kathy. Now, let's go to Lethia Starworth. That's who she was known as, but she's Lethia Krasuki. But uh, go right yeah. ahead, Lethia. Oh, she's, oh, hi, Eddie, and hi to the group. Kathy, did you want to add something? No, that's okay. Go ahead. I'll add it later. If you oh, think. okay. Okay. So um, I, I want to piggyback on what Kathy said about EJ. Uh, for one thing, Kathy and I... Um, we're a little bit younger than um, Larry and the crew and EJ. So we had just graduated in 66 and gone totally different directions for school. I went to Los Angeles to LA City College. Kath went to Wilberforce. And uh, after a year, year and a half, both of us were back in Seattle. And when I that summer of 68, I had, uh, and it was actually a near-death experience for me in a bad car wreck that caused me not to go back to Los Angeles. And I always have felt it was destiny for me to be back home here in Seattle and, and deal with uh, and be uh, blessed to be exposed to E.J. Brisker and this whole crew. It, it was a moment in time. And what I remember about E.J. was that he had, he, you could tell he was figuring out problems on a definitely a macro level down to a micro detail. And he could convey these sophisticated theories and ideas to all of us, to the grassroots. And we were able to take that new knowledge and, as Kathy said, read things that we may not have never read, especially uh, now that we were at the UW. You know, a lot of us, this was a foreign environment. You know, we, um, we were out of place. We were outnumbered. But you could not tell by the energy that EJ and Carl and Larry and um, gosh, the women, Kathy as well, who was known at that time as Nafasi. So uh, these leaders not only uh, inspired me to get more involved, but they made an indelible mark on my life because I, have been in situations professionally and and out here in these streets. And uh, basically I would think it through that critical thinking factor when there wasn't that much emphasis on it uh, as it is today, you know, the whole way of educating, but EJ embodied that with heart, with laughter and an ability to mingle and, uh, with the highest of the high and the lowest of the low, he could communicate and it, it was comfortable. I'll never forget that impact because I wouldn't be the person I am today had we not crossed paths. Thank you, Lydia. Well I want to say that uh, EJ's memorial service will be uh, Friday the 20th at 11 o'clock a.m. at Seattle's first AME church. Now, do we have Carl Miller yet? Uh, yes, we do. I'm here. I have the. Oh, right on. Okay, thank you, Mr. Carl. Right, I have, have the worst luck with Zoom calls. I never get them right. <laughs> okay, well, you you're right right now. So go right ahead. I appreciate it. I'm glad. I kind of glad I did uh, uh, get a little chance to to hear what everybody else had to say about EJ. Um, I can echo all of that. Um, 
I, I got to Seattle in uh, 1966, fresh out of the army and uh, couldn't, I was eager to get involved in the civil rights movement, having not been able to do it except in very minor ways uh, while we're in the army overseas in Okinawa. Um, we, we had a little march against uh, when the watch riot happened and some other riots. We, uh, the Marines wanted to beat everybody up, but we uh, organized a little march instead and that was a that was a that uh, that was almost as bad as the fights because it kind of uh, looked like insubordination we took off all our rank and we just stood silently and, and marched and uh, so i couldn't wait to do that kind of thing when i got to uh, to uh, to to washington in 1966 and uh, saw a little sign in a, in a in the laundromat on 23rd, just off 23rd Union said, if you're interested in SNCC, some people from the summer, were, uh, Freedom Summer are going to be uh, talking at a house on uh, Capitol Hill. And we went, I went over there and uh, kept asking questions and kept asking questions and ended up being elected to uh, be the spokesperson. That's what we called it at the time. And we, we, we did some activities, did a lot of activities. We tried, we, uh, had some, uh, we had meetings on Sunday afternoon and they kept growing and growing and growing. We had a couple hundred people and police by the end and the police were saying, if you guys grow anymore, you have to do permits. And, uh, but we were just kind of, none of us knew there were like 10, 15, 20 people. Uh, some of the freedom summer people, they didn't really get involved, um, uh, after a while, but, uh, uh, we called Atlanta and said, we need some help. And one day, uh, somebody knocked at my door, and EJ showed up at the house and never left. So, uh, <laughs> if you know EJ, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, he managed to get me kicked out of more places than I ever been in my life. <laughs> but it was it was like John Lewis said, "Good trouble." Uh, and I did everything everybody said about how brilliant he was, and uh, uh, I, I read everything I could. But he kind of put a focus on it. And uh, his organizing skills were second to none. And um, we got the Stokely uh, thing going and some other activities. And But it would not have been the same without EJ. I can tell you that absolutely. Same thing at the university. We got uh, involved with Infanta Spence and some other people and went out there. And uh, we didn't think much was going to come of it And um, we at first. And then we got involved in the UW. And... Uh, I think about that time Jimmy showed up. And we started, or we went, we went to uh, San Francisco and uh, started hearing about the BSUs. And like the Panthers wanted to have a BSU and uh, the party when they came back, we wanted to have a BSU when we came back, and we started working on that. And EJ was instrumental. It would not have been a BSU or not the same effective BSU if it wasn't for EJ. EJ was like the godfather of the BSU. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that might be Jimmy, but... Well, Jimmy was the original uh, OG. Oh, yes. The founder, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Matter of fact, matter of fact I, I, I want to alert some people to a book um, that Jimmy uh, was in. And um, let me see, get the title right. Um, Saying it loud, 1966, the year uh, Black Power Challenged the Civil Rights Movement by Mark Whitaker. And mm -hmm. Jimmy kicks off the 17th, and I know... They were so close, Jimmy and EJ. Uh, he kicks off the 17th chapter in there, uh, which highlights his efforts as a founding leader of the Black Student Union nationally. And at 
23 and 66, he uh, lands at San Francisco State College, as he said. And um, he, he had a wonderful description of himself in the book. Uh, he was raising money for um, from white liberals, and he described himself as not non-threatening and looked like everybody's, he looked like everybody's nephew or young cousin, 110, 110 pounds and all nose and ears. And he still has that baby face and, and Jimmy's been at it forever. But I encourage everybody to read that book. I have a few other books I'd like to mention at the end as well. Okay. Uh, uh, Carl Miller in that picture looked like he's about 17. He was an army veteran at that time. That was hard to believe because that picture's on Facebook right now. He look every bit of 17. But we're going to take a break and come back. We come back. We have about eight minutes left. Oh, here okay. I take a break and come back. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, Visit us at soundtransit.org. There's a reason they invented the internet. It's called 1150kknw.com. And they ride back with Eric Jammin of Jams in the studio there. But I want to thank SeaTac Bar Group LLC, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, and the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department, uh, who keep this program on the air. Now, we have about, as I indicated earlier, about eight minutes left. Go uh, yeah. to Larry Gossett and then uh uh kathy has an announcement and uh we also want to mention again that uh ej's memorial service will be next friday the 20th of october at 11 o'clock a.m at first AME church and i'll repeat that again on next thursday before uh the service so go right ahead larry okay uh real quickly emil petrie who came to the university that first year uh where we were putting our demands together and has been involved ever since. He wrote a book that came out about a year ago. It's fabulous. Uh, it talks about EJ and all of us uh, are in there about the profound difference we made on the University of Washington campus. Emil Petrie's book is called uh, From Revolution to, e um, to Evolution. And it's a book on the Black Student Union and the Office of Minority Affairs and that statistic of 30,000 uh, minority graduates at the University of Washington because we set up special admissions program for our people is talked about in that book better than any other. Thank you, uh, Kathy. Yes, it's excellent. 
And I, I was going to mention that as well. The other, another book about the Black Studies program in Washington State is by a brother named uh, Dr. Mark uh, C. Robinson. And um, I owe him a call. The uh, name of his book is Washington State Rising, Black Power on Campus in the Pacific Northwest. And it's a wonderful uh, study of three schools in, the, in uh, Washington, including the University of Washington. Two other books that I think are important um, because a lot of us who join uh, the, the BSU were simultaneously, we, you know, we were involved, we were on the SNCC, BSU, and then most of us moved to the, to the Black Panther Party. And, and of course, that's a whole other story. But Aaron uh, Dixon's book is called My People Are Rising, Memoir of a Black Panther Party Captain. And it's really, really good. I hope everybody will read it. He laid out the, uh, the uh, development of the party, the first one out of California uh, uh, for everyone. The other book recent that came out a few years ago, I think in 2017, 18, uh, Die Standing is by his brother, Elmer Dixon. And it's uh, called Die Standing from Black Panther Revolutionary to Global Diversity Consultant. Also, there that family was uh, was steeped in in uh, activism from their ancestors, and they have wonderful memories. Unlike me, they remember a lot of detail, <laughs> did a lot of research. And I encourage everyone listening and to pass it on. Maybe you could put those on your Facebook as well. Um, Elmer's on a book tour right now in in, uh, in Europe, and is having an outstanding reception. But you know what? Next week, we got to have Emil Petrie and Ike Alexander, also known as Hollywood, who Hollywood. is to be the vice president yeah. of the Associated Student Body of University of Washington. So we got to continue this with uh, Emil and also with Ike, Ike next week. So I just want to let you all know that. So uh, I'd like to have, we got about five more minutes. I'd like to have any other comments, Carl Miller or Jenny, Lithia. Yep. I want to say that, Eddie, I didn't get a chance to send this st stuff to you. I'd like for you to put on your page the actual funeral address of Fame Church for next Friday, the 20th of October, so people can have, can remember it, because it's hard for them to remember Fame Church, 1522 14th Avenue for next Friday at 11. Uh, and then uh, we'd like to send you the articles and the facts and the medium so that people can read a little bit uh, uh, about him. And then lastly, I wanted to just give one quick example of EJ's intellectual brilliance. We studied the crisis of the Negro intellectual uh, written by Harold Cruz. And EJ would break down all these, you know, capitalism, communism, uh, uh, lumpen proletarian, and we had never heard of these terms. But he had, he got a lot of questions from us younger cats about what does lumpen proletariat mean? He said, well, lumpen is a German word that Karl Marx and others in the original uh, development of revolutionary communism started. And all it means is uh, people, uh, lumpen proletariat means the underclass. And in our community, that means the hustlers, the pimps, the prostitutes, the drug dealers, just people on the streets trying to make ends meet. That's the lumpen proletariat. I never heard a definition better than that about a high level uh, term. Thank you. Those forced into an underground economy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. Any other comments? We got about three more minutes. I well, hope people, real quick, I hope that people who are in Seattle, because all of us aren't, will go to EJ's service yeah. to honor him because yeah. many of you and your children, if you knew him, you love him. And many people in Seattle and around the country have benefited from uh, EJ's brilliance and compassion and his love for the people, for all people. So yeah. I hope those of you who can take the time to go to the service, please go in my for me and for those of us who can't go and for yourselves. It would be wonderful for, if we could lift up EJ at his yeah. celebration of life. Yeah, next Friday at Fame. Okay, yes. Larry, you want to email me or why don't you text yeah. that, that notice to me? Okay. So, Before do we have do we have a second? Yeah, we do. Go ahead. Okay. I just wanted to say um part of the total experience of uh being able to be around because um as brilliant as EJ was. I also believe that Larry and Carl and Kathleen and a cadre of others also had that intellectual capacity and got with it and yet still had that humanity and heart. Um, and that was what birthed what we did. And we had a backdrop. Uh, the contributions that were made, there are not only the students who have come through there, the faculty that's there at the U now, today, is more diverse than it's ever been. We need to increase the number of students there. But I just want to say something about the arts and mention Harvey Blanks, who passed last year. And Harvey was recruited to the U under that old Jim Owens and uh, to play football. Right. But he came to me and he said, I, I, I want to take ballet for my moves on the field, but I also just want to get in the theater. I said, do the drama. And he went on to become a fabulous actor. And he right. did all of, you know, Mosley's, just, just fantastic. But that possibility, yes. yes. Yeah. And, and the nerve that we had, because athletes weren't allowed to speak out you know right. or to join our movement absolutely speaking of people we have to we have to uh mention verlaine keith miller yes they're involved and kathy jones two sisters lost our time is up i want to thank carl miller i want to thank lethia kathleen i've been calling it kathy kathleen, kathleen hallie it's okay <laughs> okay james garrett thank you for coming up here helping us and always larry g and uh, next week, we're going to uh, continue this with uh, Ike Alexander, who ended up being the uh, vice president of the whole uh, University of Washington student body. And then we'll also have Emil Petrie on so we can conclude this. And I'll be right day before yeah. uh, EJ's memorial service. I know Hollywood Ike will be up here for that, I understand. So oh, anyway, fine. thank you all. Yeah, and my yeah. next guest is uh, State Senator Twina Nobles, who's also the president and CEO of the Tacoma Urban League. And they're having a big event uh uh, next uh, uh, Friday on the 20th in the evening, their annual fundraising drive. So y'all can send us some money as well. So thank y'all very much. We're going to go now to Senator Twina Nobles. How you doing, Senator? All right. We we can go, Eddie. Yeah, yeah. you can go, Larry. All right. We've got Senator Nobles. You can listen to her if you'd like. Oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to her. Well, yeah, she, she's, she's also raising money for a campaign. So you can listen right on. Go right ahead, Sister. Um, well, hello to all of you. Um, can you hear the background noise in my audio? 
No, I can't hear anything. Okay, good. Well, hello to you all. I'm Tawana Nobles. Very excited to talk to you about our 2023 Empowerment Awards. Um, some of you have attended um, in previous years, but this year is special for lots of reasons. One, this will be my final Empowerment Awards. My last day at the Urban League is later this year, and we have an incoming president and CEO um, who um, will also be at the Empowerment Awards. So it'll be a great transition opportunity, but our Empowerment Awards are just simply fun and exciting. We recognize and honor local community members from Tacoma. Um, and this year, well, actually I can't announce, I can't announce it yet because the announcement won't go out until uh, next Tuesday who are awardees for this year, but we provide a lot of community awards. We have a great after party with great music, um, but the program has typically been the real sell of the show. And so when we launched the Empowerment Awards several years ago, um, we started to bring on keynote speakers. And so we've had Tamika Mallory as a speaker. We've had our own Angela Rye as our keynote speaker. We had former mayor Michael Tubbs last year as our keynote speaker. And this year, we're going to have a fireside chat with Solo Funds and Culture House co-founder Rodney Williams, um, as well as myself. And it will be facilitated by our own King County Council member, Germai Zahalai. And so there will be a robust conversation and great program um, that everyone will be able to enjoy. And it really is like the who's who of Tacoma. It's the Black Excellence Ball of Tacoma. It's um, our version of our year-end homecoming. And so we want folks to come dress to the nines, have a really good time with friends, family, colleagues, enjoy some good food um, and a great program. So everyone is invited. The event is on October 20th. That's next week, Friday. 6 p.m. at the Hotel Murano here in Tacoma. Um, so I hope to see folks there. Um, I do want to say thanks to all of our sponsors. We have so many sponsors this year, um, but I invite folks to purchase tickets and to still join us as sponsors for this year's event. Why don't you share with our listeners uh, some of the services that's offered by the Tacoma Urban League, and then I want you to put your senatorial hat on after that. Thank you. I love that. Well, I have served as the president and CEO of the Tacoma Urban League the past six years. And like most urban leagues across the country, we focus on housing, healthcare, education, employment, and justice. And so we offer a variety of programs from our family engagement programming, where to solve a, a lot of the challenges in our community, we know the key is strengthening families. And whether that is providing advocacy and support as families navigate our educational system, or helping to provide safe options for our family members and in our community so they are not having to interact with any form of violence, um, or simply providing our, you know, back to school family barbecue. We want to do what we can to support families. We also have our male mentoring program offered at multiple schools across Tacoma, um, our male involvement program, um, which is uh, one of our longstanding programs at the Tacoma Urban League. But we have also, also other programs like our housing counselor and our first time home buyers program at the Tacoma Urban League. And simply folks can walk through our doors for any need or challenge that they have. So whether it's us connecting them to pro, bo pro bono legal services or connecting them to um, resources for low income housing, or maybe they're simply looking for employment, which is what we're good at at Urban Leagues, we're happy to help anyone who walks through our doors. And we like to call ourselves the home for Black empowerment in Tacoma. Um, so I welcome everyone to come and check out our services or visit the TacomaUrbanLeague.org. 
You're also on the school board in university place, or you have a, a have you been a, on the school board? Are you a candidate? I know you're running. So yes. you're the senator, the CEO, and the school board member. So your plate is real full. My plate is is real full. Yes. So not only am I a Washington State senator, um, and I'll be running for re-election for that next year in 2024. Uh, this year, I'm running for re-election to retain my school board seat. And folks might be thinking, why not just give up your seat? You're already a senator. Well, that would have been great. But sadly, the person that decided to challenge my seat is backed by Moms for Liberty. And so we definitely want to send a strong message that we do not tolerate that type of hate or ideology in our community. So I've decided to retain my seat as I have for the past three years in the Senate, but I've served on a board for eight years um, nearly. And so I'm willing to fight for community and continue to maintain the positions. And it's been easy to, to balance both. And I do um, love working on behalf of our students and putting their needs first. Um, and serving as a great colleague with my board colleagues. And so folks can definitely support my reelection campaign this year. Now I want to switch to uh, University of Washington Tacoma campus. What is the Black student population at the University of Washington Tacoma campus? Do you know? That is such a good question. I need Dr. Sheila Lang here to give me that information because I do not know the answer, um, but I'm sure I can text it to you, um, Mr. Rye. I'm just curious. I want to uh, the the major university in Seattle. Uh, I don't know if you heard the earlier part of the program. There's been a, a huge drop of uh, African descendants in the United States enslaved. There are a lot of black students and a lot of international students. But when you come down to, uh, I guess if you're not on the football or the basketball team, that's where you see most of the black folks together. Uh, you don't can't even find two black faces in the student section hardly anymore, not only in the University of Washington, but most major institutions like Texas A&M, as big as that school is, uh, almost all black football team and basketball team, and only 3% of the student body is black. So uh, I guess we got to get the BSU active again, all over again, because we have the same thing at the University of Washington, just completely lack. And the other issue that uh, being a, one of the co-founders of the Washington chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors, We've been uh, very kind of disappointed with the state's lackluster performance in terms of engaging African-American firms uh, in uh, business opportunities with the state. The, mm -hmm. the numbers have been dismal. And I was just wondering, is that something that uh, the Black Members Caucus discuss or, or the Minority ca uh, Members Caucus discuss? We do. We definitely discuss um, those types of issues and all the, all the reports and data that comes um, from the state, I think with a caucus like the Black Caucus, I mean, many of us are so new to the legislature. So it's a, you know, not a new caucus necessarily, but I think as I spoke with uh, Representative Hackney, I think last weekend, and we were talking about how we can restructure the Black Caucus so it can be stronger. You know, we, we talked about, we have to continue to figure out those few things that we want to really, um, focus on as a caucus. I mean, all of us have so many important issues, but we need to continue to prioritize those key pieces of legislation or those key data points that we want to tackle through legislation um, as a body. And so I'm excited to see um, the leadership for this next year, whether it's Rep Hackney or if someone else decides to run, I'm excited to see how we organize around um, all the data and research and um, information that's telling us that the state is simply not serving black folks well whether it's capital or education we need to do more for our state and then mr wright to your question about um student success you mentioned uwt um oh, thank you for that 
You mentioned UWT, but I do want to mention some of the initiatives that we're working on in this area to support our Black students. So at the Tacoma Urban League, we fully sponsored um, an HBCU college tour for uh, 42 Pierce County students here. And, and really, we want students to know that while it, the numbers may be dwindling here in our community in Washington State, there are schools and environments that um, are filled with students who look like them and we want them to be exposed to additional opportunities and we are considering how we want to fund that opportunity for students again in 2024. Um, I also in 2019 launched the Tawana Nobles Young Professional Scholarship and um, that scholarship is geared toward um, students of color and um, to date dozens of students have received a $2,500 scholarship at uh, Bates Technical College, Clover Park, um, Technical College, uh, Tacoma Community College, and Pierce College, and um, that is a scholarship I was able to start at the Urban League with some funders who are interested in helping our students to stay on campus, but we have to make college education affordable. And we also have the Elizabeth Wesley Youth Merit Incentive Award Program, which is for all Black students, and we incentivize them for being great students. Um, so they can continue um, to pursue their academic goals. And then, of course, uh, Recently, we started um, helping with FAFSA completion because that is one barrier to students being able to access all of the funds that are available to them. And we want the Tacoma Urban League to be a trusted site where folks can come and complete their FAFSA. And we're also learning all the new changes to FAFSA. So we are thinking about higher education and Black students and ways that we can continue to pour resources or support um, into the educational futures of our students. Well, Senator Twino Nobles, I'm glad to hear that. Uh... Uh, the, the Black uh, Members Caucus is discussing the plight of uh, Black-owned businesses with our meager participation. The numbers are, are horrible, but it sounds like uh, you guys are on top of it. And we look forward to some very positive things happen. And uh, I want to say uh, good luck to all of uh, your efforts uh, while you were the presidency of the Tacoma Urban League. And I know you're a stalwart member of the Tacoma Pierce County Black Elected on Saturday mornings at 830. I'm I'm also on the calls sometimes at Lyle Kwasim, Bob Armstead, the president of our National Association of Minority Contracts for Washington State. The three of us have uh, been discuss having some serious conversations with some people about Black equity and Black inclusion. So I just want you to know that we're also working on that as well. So I want to thank you very much and uh, uh, keep up the good work with uh, all your offices <laughs> in your position. And I'm glad you also came up with... Uh, that uh, and we're gonna talk about that later about uh, the uh, black fund that you guys have going. So yeah. we'll talk about that later. So anyway, thank you very much for your time today, uh, Senator Nobles, and we'll talk with you soon. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks, everyone. Okay, Bye -bye. Uh, let's take this last break, Eric, so we can come back with Dr. Laura Ellen McKinney. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit 
lease.ctacshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities, like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for sound transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150. All right, hey, right back at Urban Forum Northwest with my next guest, who's Dr. Laura Ellen McKinney, and she's going to keep on trucking on Saturday. So welcome to Urban Forum Northwest, Dr. McKinney, and share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and also about what's going to be coming up. I will. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate this. I'm Laura Ellen McKinney. I am a, I'm a pediatric psychologist by training, but I've always been an artist. I haven't always expressed it, but I'm a, a dancer, a poet, and I come from a family of musicians. My father, Reverend Dr. Samuel Barry McKinney, was a violinist and a bassist. His mother, who was born in 1900, went to graduate school at Columbia University for music. And so one of the things that I've been doing recently is writing music and collaborating with well-known musicians because I thought that made some sense uh, on a number of songs. And they're going to be presented this Saturday, October 14th at 5623 Rainier Avenue South. The event is free. Uh, Josephine Howell will be singing one of my songs. Dennis Wilcox, a jazz musician, will be singing a song that was arranged by me and Michael Powers, who's a guitarist. Um, there are artists from other parts of the country who will be singing as well. There's a, a jazz artist, a bassist named Devin Gates, who's in London at the moment. She has sung a song called Broken, which is dedicated to black female mental health. All of the songs have stories attached to them because I'm also from a family of storytellers and as a psychologist, stories are what we, we gather. So there are songs about love and addiction and self-care and there are things that are just silly and fun and some that are very serious. There's a, a backup choir that'll be singing, a wonderful band can dance if you wanna, and I hope to see you there. Let's 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 hear a little bit more about Dr. Laurel and McKinney, with what you're doing, what you've done in the past, and uh... as I said, I'm a pediatric psychologist. I'm also a writer. I've written a number of books about African American faith and practice. I have uh, written a movie about my mother that Tyler Perry and Oprah are looking at. I hope something happens. Um, I'm. Last year, I did another version of this show. It's called P3, The Poetry and Painting Project. Last year, I asked established artists of different kinds, dancers, painters, textile artists, sculptors, to take one of my poems and to use it as uh, inspiration for creating a new piece of art. And so that show was presented a year ago in the, um, in the Liberty Bank building. And this year, we're doing the same thing, but the collaborations are between me as a musician and other musicians. And next year will be dance because that's the end of my talent. But those are the things that I'm doing. I am planning these art things that I have thought about and done some of all of my life. I, I had scholarships to Dance Theater of Harlem and um, 
oh, and a couple of other places. Um, so I am just, I'm being an artist who has skills as a psychologist, and I'm really in, enjoying doing this. It's a different way of creating community conversations and connecting across the, the country. One of our artists is actually a little 14-year-old in Ukraine. So I'm, I'm delighted to be doing this. And I, I think people will like the music. I'm a little hoarse now because I've been, I've been practicing too much. But uh, I think it's going to be great fun. We're all having a good time preparing for it. Now, let's change subject right quick. Now, you're also Reverend Dr. Sammy Berry McKinney and Louise McKinney's daughter. I and, am. There's a song about my mother's bad cooking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to touch that. Well, you but, never ate it, so you were lucky. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, like I said, I'm not going to touch that. I don't <laughs> want to waking me up tonight, so I'll leave yeah. that alone. Th those uh, are those are my parents. Yes. Yeah, and so uh, as you know, right now, uh, after seven years, Mount Zion has a, a new pastor coming in. Dr. Uh, Para Smith and uh, I have we uh, his wife and I have a, a mutual friend Gary Flowers who used to be the uh, national field director uh, with Reverend Jesse Jackson. Okay. Uh, so so uh, I, I just wanted to know just a little bit of, uh, about your feelings about how things are going right now and what were some of your challenges being the pastor's daughter and uh, why don't you share a couple of stories with us? Okay well I know that it's very hard for a lot of people to be a, a preacher's kid. I didn't have difficulty sort of with my father because he was a different kind of minister. I mean, you were there and and you knew that. So the, the fact that he was a, involved in the social gospel meant that he extended a lot of grace you know, to a lot of people because you can't save the soul of somebody who's hungry or who needs housing or who needs work. And so growing up that way gave me a commitment to community that I very much appreciate. And you know, my mother was an educator, so I had that. The difficulty, if any, that I had at the church was that sometimes people could be interestingly hypocritical. Uh, There's one time when I was maybe 15, I was in the restroom before church, and a woman came up to me and said, I understand that you were out dancing at a party last night. And I said, yeah. She said, well, the minister's daughter shouldn't be doing that. I said, well, how do you know I was there? She said, well, my daughter was there. I said, well, maybe she should have been home. You know? <laughs> so it, was, it was more that kind of thing. But I, I actually feel very blessed about the fact that I, I had parents who would listen to me and who, who gave me a lot of freedom. And one of the things that's interesting, given how, how books are being censored today, is that nothing at all was censored for me. I could read anything I wanted. And I read... I'll, I read very quickly, so I read lots and lots of books. And I just had to be prepared, if asked, to give a book report about what I read. So that I just had to ask questions about what I read. You know, what was the plot? What was the motivation of the characters? Was this well written? Is this something that you would re recommend to someone else? And that, that came in handy because I went over somebody's house for a party, a, a slumber party once. And I found a book in their library that I didn't realize, but it turned out to be pornographic. I ended up coming home with it, and my parents sat me down and they said, so tell us about the plot. I said, there wasn't really a plot. You know, tell us about the characters. They weren't very interesting, except that they were naked. You know, like, would you recommend this to somebody? No. So that was the end of that. That was a very smart way you know, to handle that. So I, I appreciate 
I really appreciate those kinds of things about the way that I was raised. I was I was given freedom of the mind. I could I could think about things. I could grow. They were not actually that supportive of my artistic sensibilities. I I probably would have gone to Juilliard, but uh, you know I. Let's take this last minute and let's announce your event that's going to be occurring on Saturday. All right. So it's the Poetry and Painting Project at 5623 Rainier Avenue South, 7 p.m. And it's free. And who's going to be there? Uh, Josephine Howell. McKinney and who else? Oh, yes. And Josephine Howell, um, Dennis Wilcox, uh, Casey James is the conductor. Uh, there, I don't know, there are about 10 people in the band. Mercedes uh, Montgomery is over the chorus. There's the Walden twins who are, we'll be seeing them from Boston and Los Angeles. Uh, Devin Gates, the bassist from London. And there'll be some surprises. And Chris Patton and Casey James will lead the band and Mercedes yes. Montgomery directs the backup choir. That's what I have in the email. That's so right. I want to thank you for what you're doing. So Dr. Thank Laurel you. McKinney, thank you very much for your time today. Thank and you I wish you all the success in the world for Saturday. So thank, thank you. I hope to see you. Today. Hey, okay. all right now. Okay. okay. Uh, I want to thank Eric Month in the studio and I also want to thank SeaTac Bar Group LLC, Sound Transfer's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion, the Port of Seattle Diversity Contracting Office, and the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office. As I indicated, we're going to continue this conversation about the University of Washington next week. Hopefully, uh, Isaac Alexander and Emil Petrie will be available. And we also will be having a number of candidates forums, like real short ones, like five to 10 minutes apiece for each candidate. And we're going to just uh, focus on some, uh, some of the campaigns where we have uh, people of color in the races uh, that will not include Clarence Thomas. So anyway, thank you very much, uh, Eric. And thank you very much, Alethea, Kathy, Larry, uh, James uh, uh, and uh, Carl Miller. Thank all you guys today and also Senator Nobles. Thank you. So thank you much, Eric. Talk to you again next week.